Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Closers Inner Circle Podcast, hosted by your partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my co-host, Ben Gay III, we are diving into the world of sales mastery with the gem from The Closers Part 2. Now, if you don't already know this, these books, Part 1 and Part 2, are widely known as the sales bibles, and we're talking about boosting sales performance, mastering reading and writing for effective communication. So today we delve back into the art of communication and sales and we're inspired <clears throat> from last week's show. We were working from The Closers Part 2, page 137. And this session, Part 2, as I mentioned, is from the chapter titled, Watch Your Mouth. I love that. I'm a Southerner. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. And we mean it, too. But it's dedicated to the importance of communication. Now, reading and writing are crucial. Let me let me say that in capital letters. Crucial for effective sales communication. Reading sharpens the ability to understand the customer needs and the market dynamics, while writing is key to articulating proposals, crafting persuasive emails, and document interactions. For sales professionals, excellent writing skills actually do translate to clear, convincing communications that resonates with with clients and stands out in a digital first world. So improving these skills involves engaging with industry related content, practicing concise and compelling writing and seeking constructive feedback. Mastering in reading and writing not only enhances client engagement, but you'll find that it also significantly boosts sales performance by ensuring that messages are both heard, persuasive and better yet, understood. Ben, welcome. It's Wednesday. Chatting with you is always my favorite part of the week. Chatting with me is always my favorite part of the week because I talk to myself. <laughs> uh, I do that too. I talk to the cupboards. <laughs> I talk to the steering wheel. I talk to the cats. But you know, when you're brilliant conversationalists as we are, you got to let it out. Yeah, it's got to go somewhere. And uh, the innocent bystanders are happy when we talk to ourselves because it takes that much pressure and time off of them, uh, I've been told. <laughs> GG. <laughs> it's GG yeah, yeah. picking on you. Yeah. We go into a restaurant. I think I've told you this, but we go into a restaurant. GG says, here's a goal. Let's leave here without knowing everyone in the restaurant. And I go, why would, why would we be eating here then? I don't understand that. Yeah, these are people. They're my <laughs> people. <laughs> and see, I'm the opposite. When I head to a restaurant, and I don't rarely, I rarely go to restaurants. But if I do, most often I'm alone or I'm with my best friend, Maggie. I've got a giant iPad that's in front of my face. No talking. No talking. Don't make <laughs> eye contact. Leave me alone. I want to enjoy my meal. And would you tell your kids to stop? You know, can they maybe close their mouths when they eat things? <laughs> so our, our, friend, our friend Audrey said to but her little kids one day, I wasn't there, but they came up to the table or near the table. And Audrey said, like a German drill sergeant, go be cute over there and mm -hmm. pointed to some other part, part of the restaurant. So she shares your, your affinity. Before we get into... Uh, today's subject. Let me just clear up a couple of housekeeping things. We're always encouraging people to write or call or send an email uh, to us about a question they'd like answered uh, during the broadcast. And I got two, neither one of which apply to today. So I thought I'd do house cleaning up front. One comes from Patrick Hall. He's in the insurance business, very successful guy. And he said, you're I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you're doing something that we should all do. 
doing something on the podcast that we should all do, but you you haven't mentioned it. He was talking with his sales manager's hat on. He's the owner of the agency, but that makes him the sales manager. And uh, he said, as you know, uh, we're, we're always stuck with, oh, my God, what are we going to talk about in today's sales meeting? And, uh, you know, come up with some topic since the salespeople, by and large, unless you're a dynamic from the front of the room, don't want to be in the sales meeting. It's something they have to do. And if something comes up that's newsworthy or noteworthy, they're excited about that. But generally speaking, you're starting off in the hole when you uh, are the sales manager. So he said, you and Denise do it on the podcast every week. And I said, what is that? He said, get one of your books. And you and I currently are working out of the closers part two. He said, get one of your books. Make sure that your client, the sales manager, the owner, whatever, uh, has talked his salespeople, his or her salespeople into buying the closers part two in this case or uh, buying it for them. Uh, there are two schools of thought on that, and I won't waste any time on it. I, I have a, an opinion, but uh, and then tell them like you and Denise do a week in advance what the subject's going to be at the next sales meeting, and refer to the closers. I haven't ever totally if you count the little subsections and so on. I've never really counted how many sales meetings that would give you. You're looking at the table of contents. It's a bunch, probably two or three years worth of sales meetings, uh, not counting if a subject really takes off and you want to run with it two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. But he said now they're all singing out of the same hymnal. The sales manager gave him a week's warning. We're going to be talking about, and I'll just flip through the book that happens to be sitting here. Uh, the better resolution starts on page 119. So you tell them a week in advance, you and I discussed that on August 30th uh, of uh, 23. You tell them that a week in advance, that gives them time to read it. And if they don't read it, it gives you an opportunity to embarrass them <laughs> in front of uh, the rest of the sales organization. And it gives them a chance to form opinions or questions or what have you. So he said, uh, he had forgotten we have a big binder that is the closers parts one and two, three ring binder instructors in the instructors use from the front of the room. But he's right in that it would make it even better with a week's warning and their own copy of that material in their hands, more meaningful sales meetings. So. And then when I mentioned casually to somebody right after I got through talking with Patrick, they said, is that OK? And I said, what do you mean, is it OK? You bought the book. You can, yeah. do with it. you can do with it what you want. So, of course, you don't need my permission to teach out of the closers. And uh, so anyway, that was Patrick's uh, input. And I thought a very good one. And frankly, I'm sort of embarrassed that I hadn't thought of it because that's exactly what you and I do. And, it uh, is. It yeah. is. And I know you've got another one, but I just I was scribbling while you were talking because it's brilliant. I mean, it's you know, we often don't see our own way because we we have so many things going on. And when somebody points that out, you're like, duh. <laughs> so that was <laughs> yeah. <"Duh."> <laughs> when I became president of Holiday Magic Cosmetics at age 25 with no training to be the president or anything at what I was was the top salesperson, and I had the ability to stand in front of the room and talk. But, you know, big crowds. Hi, this is Ben Gay, and here's the reason you ought to join and so on. Now I'm sitting around a boardroom table, in addition to that, with 12 high-powered people, each in their own area, the lawyer, the accountant, you know, and, and so on, the art people. Uh, and they don't need a rah-rah talk from the end of the table. Uh, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I did exactly what Patrick Hall suggested, just a little different. I had just hired Earl Nightingale to be the voice of our companies. And uh, along with that came, it was on records back then, either 75 or 45, but 
they, they had both versions, lead the field, which was sort of the strangest secret his great recording elongated uh, 12 records, both sides. And it was Earl doing the contents of lead the field, which is a, is a blown up version of the strangest secret. So uh, before every, I think it was Monday morning meeting, I put a record player on the conference table uh, for your listeners who are a little younger than I am. A record player played these round <laughs> vinyl disc with an arm with a needle in it that came over. But I put the record player on the table. And frankly, it, it, it was good material, obviously. Uh, Earl Nightingale was a major factor in turning my life around. But mainly it filled up I don't know where one of the records runs. It's been so long since I've had to do that, but uh, probably filled up 15 or 20 minutes of time that I didn't have to fill in with something and stimulated conversations. So this mm -hmm. Monday morning meeting with the staff, the executive staff that I had inherited and didn't know what to do with was made possible by everybody listening and mm. or reading to the same thing and discussing it. So mm. they ne they never knew, at least not from that aspect, they never knew that I wasn't qualified to be there. <laughs> I was the least qualified person in the room, but I own the record player. And when somebody's using Patrick's suggestion, teaching out of the closers part two, one subject a week, you don't have to know it. You, you have to do what most teachers do they stay a page or a chapter ahead of where the the students are on in a given class history english or whatever they didn't memorize all that stuff they knew on monday what they were going to teach on tuesday so just a random observation and suggestion from patrick hall i totally agree with it and have used it uh, sort of without knowing it and of course you and i have used it since i think the second episode that we did together yeah i think it was and by the way your table of contents is three solid pages yeah there's content there and yeah. i wanted to i also wrote down while you were talking when you're having these meetings whether it's three people or 20 people whatever they are i would also think and this is just me thinking ahead that you can they already know what's coming up in the chapter they know what they're supposed to be conversing about it seems to me it would be a great idea to put one or two of them in front of the group and either role play or have them read it out loud and then take questions. Excellent. And most of the chapters are short enough where reading out loud uh, is quite possible. Mm -hmm. uh, as you and I discussed, I was raised on the Reader's Digest and I wrote the closers part two in that format. Easy to understand, short segments. So there may be a section or two in there that breaks that rule, but by and large, you could read any of them and people wouldn't go to sleep while you're doing it. They're short, they're punchy. We get in, set up the premise, solve it and get out. Exactly. So, uh, and like you just said, you know, doing something like that also stimulates conversations that, you know, maybe they're sitting there, you know, hunched over, hand on jaw on their, their elbow or palm mm -hmm. you're just miserable yeah. but now spotlight hello are you paying attention what do you have to say yeah bob what do you think about play? that right right <laughs> and if you've got somebody who maybe is just uncomfortable with trying to get out and sell and talk and chat it's a good way to help them make them role play right get them started mm -hmm. uh, that's a key we had in holiday magic and every company i've run or consulted with since scripts of the best way to present a given subject within the business but the fear you know you get a parrot to do that the fear is getting them to do it psychologists have said i've read numerous reports over the years that the number one psychological fear is speaking in public ahead of death by fire <laughs> which um. may which may explain why it pays so well back to supply and demand. If most people would rather be burned to death than speak in public, probably speaking in public would pay pretty well. And it does. 
Yeah, it does. You said you had, and remind me to, to tell you about, you mentioned scripts, and that's such an important part of what we talk about. Well, I'll just tell you right now real quick, and then mm-hmm. we don't need to touch on it again. But as you know, I'm helping train new podcasters. I'm mm-hmm. consulting with them. I'm helping them, actually helping more than I thought I would be to begin with. But I'm learning as I go, because now I'm learning from listening to them, watching them, what they really do need. You will be happy to know that a large part of what I do with them starting out is writing scripts. They have no clue that they need scripts. They need it for the pre-interview. They need it for the intro. They need it for the outro. They need it for the beginning, the middle, and the end of what they're going to be talking about with their guests. They even need them for a thank you note scripts. You've got to have them. You can't just open up your mouth and start rambling. You can, but it's well, very costly. You shouldn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try not to, so I just yeah. kind of told on myself. <laughs> I've I've had a few of those experiences over the years where I forgot to engage my brain before my mouth and didn't really know what I was talking about. And off I went. I probably have told you this. You and I are so close. It's like talking to myself, but I was at a fundraiser or some highfalutin event in San Francisco and one of my mentors, Wade Cannon, who was with the Wilson Learning Corporation, Wade came up to me and he was a human behavioral psychologist and all sorts of fancy things that I wasn't as a high school graduate. But business-wise, I was doing better and had done better since day one. So Wade comes over to me, he says, Ben, after I this is one of those browse around, hold a cocktail, talk to one another and try and raise money for something, whatever the project was. He said, Ben, a little tip I want to share with you. I just thought of, I said, tell me, tell me what it is. He said, when you're talking to someone uh, about some subject and pontificating and telling everything, you know, you might want to check your audience just in case you're talking to someone who's won a Nobel Prize or a Pulitzer Prize on that subject. And I said, Wade, thank you. That's very nice of you. I appreciate it. And he said, it's too late. Apparently, I had spent the past 20 minutes, (laughs) at least, pontificating to somebody about something on which they were a world-known authority. Um, I I had skipped over the little intro thing, like, what's your name? Yeah. yeah. What, what do, do you do you for do? a living? Yeah. <laughs> How's your mom and them? Yes, we'll <laughs> hey, how are you doing? How's your mom and them? Don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I've done, I'm, I'm not going to say stupid. That, I, yes, I am. I've done stupid things too. So <laughs> it's just, okay. You meant that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. Um, we had another housekeeping thing. We got yeah. past one. Uh, a gentleman named Danny Connors, one of our listeners, uh, sent me a text or an email or something. It appeared on my computer. And he says, I, I know you're into the benefits of giving, which I thought was an interesting way to phrase it because there are many benefits of giving. Where most of us think about the benefits of getting. And he said, and you and Denise systematize everything. Do you have that systematized? Well, no one has ever asked me that question before. And the answer is yes, we do. Uh, people, you know, they want to know, how do I get in? I don't have a whole lot to give, but, you know, maybe their CPA called them at the end of the last tax year and said, if, if you want to give away $10,000, you got it to give, and there'd be advantages to doing it, and so on. And he said, you, you get that type of call, and he said, I wouldn't know what to do. So, uh, not scripted, just off the top of my head, here's what I did when I wanted to systematize giving instead of just waiting for some person on the street to ask for $5 or something. By the way, inflation has gone up, GG. Uh, when I were in the store, we got separated and some guy came up to her and held up a, a gallon of ice cream. He said, would you pay th- for this for me? And uh, by, she said, yeah, but 
do you need food? And he said, yes. So she got him a sandwich made at the deli, plus the gallon of ice cream, plus something to drink and $5 or something. I think it totaled about $18. And I was thinking, when she was telling me the story, I was thinking to myself, you used to be able to get off with a dollar or a quarter in the cup or something. <laughs> now they come up to you cold and want you to spend $70 or $20 right. on ice cream, deli sandwiches, and something to drink. But rather than wait for something like that to happen, those of you listening who have an interest in this, you probably have several local charities that are worthy and you get to see where the money's going and you sort of know what they're up to. One of my favorites in our town is the Boys and Girls Club. It was started, not the Boys and Girls in general, but in Placerville, California, by a good friend of mine who's donated a lot of money to it and help build the building therein and so on. I know where the money goes. I know who's running it. And I'm a big fan of what they do. In fact, one of our sons went to the Boys and Girls Club. I'm not sure why. I think he had friends there. But that's what he did after school every day for a couple of years. And it was marvelous. Great socializing experience. So maybe you have something like that that you really know about and want to do it. If you want to broaden it out and have a little more impact and know where the money's going, uh, I would start and did when I began to formalize this. I started with things like Tunnel to Towers. You see them on television. Love them. Yeah. They're them and um, Warriors. Yeah, wounded Warriors. The wounded Warriors. Yeah. Those are the two that. that I support every year. There you go. And the $11 a month, I've often thought to myself, it probably costs them $11 a month to collect your $11 a month. Uh, that's not really how you support an organization like that, but it's a great starting point. It's the camel putting his nose under the tent, as I used to say to a friend of mine when I was helping him to build a church, and he was a a very strict Bible believer, and I, some people will be appalled that I said it that way, but by that I mean there's some things in the Bible I'm confident were put there as an example, word, pictures, etc. He believed that they were all absolutely true as written, no questions asked, and the earth only started 5,000 years ago. So I keep oh. telling him I want to take him to a dinosaur museum and just look around and see what he thinks. But what I told him was, I said, save the crazy stuff until I get them in the tent. I'll, re <laughs> I'll re you know, then you I can remember do whatever you that want. story. Tell, tell everybody who this, this pastor was, is. Barry Minkow, who was yeah. famous for other things. Uh, I met him when he was running his prison ministry because he was in prison. But it, it didn't slow him down. He was a Jewish, conver converted Christian, was Jewish, um, and uh, had been there for the Z-Best carpet cleaning scandal. Nice guy, good Christian, building a church, but he had the tendency to be all in on anything. Mm -hmm. he, did, he didn't question things. So... Jonah was swallowed by the whale. And if you remember your biology, the whale's throat's a little tight for swallowing people, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure you could stick a hose down there. It's yeah. the reason they eat krill <laughs> right. instead of humans. But uh, anyway, stuff like that. But I, I said to him, save the crazy stuff till you get them in the tent. And I think of that every time I see tunnels and towers or wounded warriors or Samaritan's Purse, or any of those things, because I think $11 a month is great, and that may be all you ever give, uh, but that was really to get you in the in the tent, get you in the cycle, and then if you want to move up, you can, but here's what I suggest you do if you want to have a giving program. Start local again. Local, and yeah. Then, then uh, pick one or two or three. I think we're at 10 now of the ones you see on television or other places that have a monthly giving program. And, you know, $11 a month isn't going to kill you. And if you don't like what they're doing or they are abusive or in their uh, follow-up, stop giving them the $11 a month. 
double up and give that 11 to somebody else that you're already giving to. But it gives you an opportunity. And look them up on the internet as to what percentage of their money goes to what you're giving to. In the case of Tunnel to Towers, and this isn't a Tunnel to Towers commercial, but everybody's seen those every few minutes. 95 plus percent of the money everyone gives goes directly to what you wanted to help, helping veterans, helping the 9-11 survivors and their, you know, and, uh, people, gold star families and so on. 95 plus percent goes to them. That's almost unheard of because you've got to have a, an office space and a secretary or two or eight or, you know, whatever. Or a and, CEO that just gets paid insane amounts of money. And I think we know who I'm talking about. I won't say who it is, but I don't give anymore. Haven't for years. Okay, there you go. And a uh, good point. Stiller, I don't know how the Tunnel to Towers guy whose brother ran into brother, the towers right. and was killed. It's an amazing uh, story. Yeah. Uh, he takes nothing from the organization. He's not on the payroll. There is a CEO who makes a moderate amount of money for running an organization that size. But that's all researchable. You can see who's getting what and where and how come 95% goes. Talking about 95% reminds me of Ronald Reagan. He said, if you want to give a dollar to a poor person through the government, give the government five mm -hmm. so that there'll be one left over for the poor person. If. Give, a, give a church three, give a, you know, and he went down through it. He said, or you could just find a, find a poor person and hand them a dollar. Well, Tunnel to Towers is about as close to that as you can get. 95% goes to it. Now, here's a little, I don't knock people, but if you're inclined, because they have the quivering in the cold dogs that run on our local station on a regular basis for the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, you look up their thing, and I've had previous experience with them. It's the reason I don't give to them. Only 30 or 35% goes to the starving, shivering dogs. The rest of it goes into God knows what. Uh, but it doesn't go to the dogs. There's a so, lot of them like that. Yep. And speaking of, of dogs, I mean, if you don't have cash these days, and cash is getting kind of hard to come by, mm -hmm. you know, local shelters, local veterinarians, they're always looking for blankets and sheets, you know, for their pets. They have kennels. Yep. Some of them have taken in strays. You know, look for your local spay nation. God knows they need help. But I mean, just as a, for instance, I got a phone call from my veterinarian it's about a year ago now. And this gal said, Denise, you know, I know that Odalie is about due for her, her insulin refill. She's my 18 year old girl. And I said, yeah, she's getting close. Do I need to come pick it up? She said, no, we had a cat. His, he died and his brand new insulin bottle. They brought it back and asked us to donate it. When you have, and I would have never thought of that. I never would have, but, you know, if you have something that your pet needed, that they no longer need, find it a home and find it with professionals if you can, yeah. because they will find some, I mean, they called me and said, would you like it? I said, oh my God, yes. I wrote the, the owners, they never gave me the name and I didn't ask, but I knew what the cat's name was and I wrote him a thank you card. Oh, that's sweet. And and they need it. I've I've called our local shelter and said, if I gave you a hundred dollars, what would you spend it on? Mm -hmm. And it was uh, I remember uh, I am's cat food Dude, was among right. them, and something else. Uh, there were three or four things. So I went and spent. Turned out more than a hundred dollars, but went because I took Gigi with me. Big mistake. <laughs> yeah, blame your wife. <laughs> I'm telling. But. Uh, Rather than give them the money and hope it all went to the right place, we found out what they wanted, went and got that and handed it to them, drove it over and handed it to them. Because I, I really like to get as close to the source or the recipient as humanly possible. Exactly. And, uh, the ASPCA is not one of those places, in my opinion. Let me tell you a quick story. I mentioned uh, see how they treat you. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if you want to learn a lot about sales and marketing uh, and how to be abused, sign up for Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. 
and then just Are they watch. still around? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh yeah. my gosh. But and watch how they treat you and what they say and what they do and so on. Great sales and marketing lesson if you cleaned it up, made it honest, but abusive, especially to elder people. You know, you they come right up to the line and say, if you buy more, they 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 say buying things won't affect your uh, opportunity to win. And then they say, in so many words, the more you buy, the more likely you are to, you know, whatever. So uh, there would be an example of the wrong way to do it, but it's effective. Uh, but what I do is I join, most of them I'm ever going to join, I've joined now. But back in the beginning of this process, I would join and then see what they did. Uh, one of them, I was to get a T-shirt that said, what a wonderful person I was for giving whatever. So I gave whatever the opening month. In the back of my mind, I thought, where's the T-shirt? Because I use them for night shirts. I don't wear lettered shirts out in public. But I, I sort of wondered where my shirt was. And weeks went by. And finally, I guess I emailed them or called them or something. It wasn't the T-shirt. It was I was fascinated that they would mishandle a potential donor. They don't know what I'm capable of doing over a long term. And uh, so I somehow got in touch with them. And the answer I got back was we're running behind. Uh, we'll get it out to you in the next six to eight weeks. We're talking about a T-shirt. What? You know, in a screen press. Somebody's got in the, in the warehouse where they're grinding them out by the thousands. And then I was amazed to discover they were going to get out to me in six to eight weeks, but they never asked what size I wanted. Mm. Or if I was a man or a woman, maybe that wouldn't have made any difference. But uh, they did. Months go by, then I complain, six to eight weeks are going to go by, but they don't know my shirt size. And when it showed up, it would have fit on a, a kid's doll or a wow. newborn baby or something. What they don't know is that we had a little money squirreled away that our accountant had said, this is what you should give. And they were in the running to get a $10,000 check. Oh, no. So that, needless to say, they didn't. Needless to say, we stopped giving the whatever per month. Not because we're nasty people who didn't want to help who they were helping, but I realized they weren't doing what they said they were going to do. And I'm talking about a charity that everybody's watched television in the last week has seen two or three times. And the model I hold up against uh, uh, people like that in that business, in the charity business, and it is a business. The uh, is years and years ago, I was watching a Billy Graham revival on television. And he had as a guest, the star of the night was a lady named Carrie Tenboom, who had written a book called The Hiding Place. Based yeah, I'm familiar on, with that. Yeah, based on her experiences hiding from the Nazis in Germany while they murdered virtually all of her family. And she got out, was a lovely lady, and appeared and gave her testimony to uh, to Billy. And then at the end, Billy said, I, I, I hope you're uh, this or that or whatever, but if you uh, and donate, he was not shy about, we need your money. No, he says, he's a local boy. Yeah. He said, we all know about him. He said, uh, if you want, uh, if you want a copy of The Hiding Place by Carrie Ten Boom, just write to me, Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota, because that's where his mail operation was. Write to me, Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'll send you a copy for free. And uh, I thought, because I'm, I'm like you, I read and read and I've got bookcases full. And I was intending while she was talking to get it. And I thought, I think I'll test Billy. So I put a note in the mail to Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota, saying, please send me the hiding place with my address. About a week or so later, first class mail, no invoice, no nothing, came the hiding place. And I thought, whoa. So I sent the Billy Graham organization $1,000. And this is enough years ago where that's ten, fifteen thousand 15000 today for a book because they treated me right. 
$10,000 in today's money did not go to a well-known charity because they screwed me over on a t-shirt uh, and lied to, me while, lied to me while doing it. I, I and they think we... We don't notice this. And anybody who's listening, wondering about our systems, yeah, we do have them. And we got a little bit off track with this particular mm -hmm. conversation, but not by much, because we're still talking about sales. We're still talking about how you treat people. And for those of you who are engaging in weekly meetings, monthly meetings, sales meetings, go back and listen to all this. Because there's mm -hmm. we just unpacked a whole bunch of stuff you can bring into your meetings and keep them compelling, keep them interested in having people going, okay, I want to get up and read next week. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I'm here. I'm here. I've got stuff to say. You, they can be training themselves in being comfortable among their peers, being comfortable standing on somebody's porch. Unless you're a politician, I just look at you and walk off. You know, just, right? You know, and I pointed the sign on my door that says "Do not knock or ring unless you were invited," and they'll look me right in the eye and push that doorknob, and I look them right in the eye and I wave. You can imagine, and then I walk <laughs> off. So, but you know, we're unpacking a lot. So yeah, so keep going. I'm sorry. Well, that's all. That, that's it on that subject. So, uh, Danny Connors wanted to know about giving. So yes, it's systematized. I have a way to do it. I haven't got time to be running a charitable organization. You know, as soon as something bad happens, your family, somebody, some grantsman comes to you and wants you to set up a foundation, which means you got to raise more money to get the mahogany desk and get the yeah. you get a secretary and go through all that. I've found, like John D. Rockefeller said, don't own anything, control things. You got a charity up and running that's giving 95% of the money you raise to exactly what I'm interested in doing. I don't need my name on it. Here's my monthly donation. And and that's the other thing. I do the monthly thing. You don't have to, you're not limited to $11, but whatever you decide to give, I do it on a monthly thing because I want to keep them on a short leash. If, right. if all of a sudden you're not giving 85 or 95 percent of what you raise uh, to where it's supposed to be going i can take you right back off the list and and have with some people but you raise an interesting point i almost can't talk about something with without sales and marketing involved it is fascinating to watch how they operate from the bottom of the barrel with publishers uh, sweepstakes to the aspca to the top of the pile with Tunnel to Towers and lots of wonderful things in between. Uh, speaking of Billy Graham, uh, we are supporters of Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham's. Uh, oh, no, uh, I was not Billy Graham. Who I, was, I was thinking of, um, shoot, somebody else entirely. One of the Baton Rouge boys was a preacher, got in so much trouble. What was his name? Swigert. Yeah. 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 No, I know I knew you weren't talking about Billy. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I got him confused. But yeah, you went swaggered. Let me swagger. When that came undone. Problems. <laughs> oh, holy cow. Listen, I I still hear stories about that. And it was a long time ago, but he's Baton Rouge boy. But man, when he stepped in it, he really stepped in it. But he worked his way back up. He'll never be what he was. No. I'm not even sure he's still alive. I, 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 I was going to say, I started to say the same thing. I haven't seen or heard of yeah. him in a long time. I think he's still a, around. A great sales lesson. Uh, when you lose your reputation, it's all but impossible to get it back. You yeah. get some yeah. of it back. You can go find new victims. But when you lose your reputation with the people who knew you when and then, it's over. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. I can't believe I confused those two guys. I do apologize. But you didn't, you didn't use Billy's name or even imply that. But well, I'm just saying that frankly If you know me, you you knew. <laughs> Oddly enough, I assumed you were talking about swagger. I was. But you know what and we're we're going back to, to sales again and it's so, so, so important. I wanted to mention you talked about Gigi and you know she gave this guy his ice cream without even arguing with him about it and that led me off on a little tangent because I hear people say oh well I'm not going to give him any money because he'll just go buy drugs or alcohol with it here's my attitude about money once it's out of my hands it's none of my business right 
It just isn't. It was a gift to you. You do as you please. If he needed ice cream, he probably needed ice cream. But she also treated him like he was a human being and gave him real sustenance. I'm not sure about the soda, but real, real <laughs> sustenance and did it with grace. Yes. Now, in fact, with her. her, I'm always surprised. I said, you didn't give me our home address or anything, did you? <laughs> <laughs> He's not coming to stay in a spare bedroom, is he? Uh, <laughs> I, I told her I would have said when it was the ice cream, I would have said no, but I'll spend an equal amount of money on some s substance. You know, let's go to the deli and let's get this. And so, right. so said, she said, well, I did that. Plus the ice cream. Plus the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm with you. I would have gotten him a meal, a hot meal, and maybe, you know, a little to-go bag. But I'm not sure about the ice cream either. <laughs> but, well, I, I was concerned, you know, where's he going to go eat it before it melts? You oh, know, yeah. He went walking down the street with it in a plastic bag. So, oh. Anyway, the, the point of all that was systematize your giving. See where you're giving. And study them. It is some of the best marketers in the world run churches and other charitable organizations. And whether their intent is good or bad, it you can learn a tremendous amount from it. Billy Graham, the $1,000 I sent to him 40 years ago, uh, taught me a wonderful lesson. You know, don't screw around with people. You say you're going to send them something, send it, not... You know, a free bottle of Neutrogena, small print, uh, but you got to sign up to get it every month. And it's not free because you got to pay the packaging. I was in the business, health food, pills, et cetera. I know what it costs to produce something. The uh, amount they charge for shipping and handling covers shipping and handling and their hard cost of the product, cap, label, and the contents. So you can learn a lot from them. Plus, I feel better when we get our little statements in the mail and, and uh, so on. I literally feel better uh, knowing that we gave a, a reasonable amount to several different people and didn't have to set up our own foundations, et cetera. And if I feel better about myself, guess what I do better also? I sell better. I close better. better. Right. Yeah, I feel like a person better probably than I actually am. Now, let's go back to what we're supposed to be talking about, although tangentially, if that's the right word, we have been talking about it. We have. And go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, well, I was just going to say, one, one of the things that we want to teach or you want to teach people through this book is that language, language is a major factor in how people view them. Listen, I, I've been spending a little bit of time on Twitter recently since it became X and Elon Musk took it over. I quit three years ago. It was like this. It was a sewer. It was just horrible. And I like being back there now, but I'll accidentally, you know, click on a video or stumble on something. And I'm literally saying out loud, I don't understand a word they're saying. Yep. They're passionate. They're very passionate. But what the hell? was that and i'll watch it just to see if it ever clears up it doesn't no we we see so many things on television uh, i sound like a television watcher i am in that i'm a news junkie so it's always on uh in the office for instance uh even if the sound's down or whatever i like to stay informed for instance fanny i think that's how you pronounce her name yeah Willis, she's in trouble poor thing She's discussing her romantic relationship, which ended in the summer of 2023, right now on Newsmax TV and or Fox. So, and it's there just so yeah. in case something wild happens, I want to know about it. <laughs> the uh, I'm wondering how either of those people got, how they passed the bar. Yeah, I, that thought crossed my mind listening to the, the man this morning when I was getting dressed, he was on. And, and I thought, because I have not been pure my whole life. Judy's my third and last wife. And her, I have treated exactly like you're supposed to. And the second one, halfway. And the first one, I probably shouldn't have gotten married. I was too young and not through sowing my wild oats. 
and I was watching him and, and I thought, oh my God, a man being caught <laughs> with his pants down on international television having to explain away expenses and this and that and, and so on. And I thought, I, I don't feel for you, but I do. <laughs> I've been, Marsha was her name, my first wife. I've been in the position where Marsha had serious conversations with me and I'm squirming and uh, I, I, would, I, would, I had a little barrier set up in that I would never confess to anything. <laughs> Which yeah, I was a member of. I want to say that's such a man thing, but it's not. We uh, all, <laughs> but Fernando, like, huh? I don't know what you're talking about. Fernando Lamas was a handsome movie actor, married to Esther Williams, this actress, but before that, Olympia, Olympic swimming star. Swimmer, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he belonged to the Fernando Lamas School of Denial. That's what I <laughs> what I named it. But uh, he was talking to Johnny Carson one day, and Carson said, what if Ethel came in and caught you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's pretty graphic. And he said, well, I would tell her she was crazy. And he, he oh. said, why would, how you can't do that? He said, sure you can. I'm not there. If she thinks I am, she's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I already hate him. I'm sure he's long gone. <laughs> he is. He's long, but that poor guy, I don't know what his name was. It was Aunt Wade, I think, who was on this oh, morning. Man. I thought, oh, I'm I'm not on your side, man. but I feel for you. Man but... to man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Twitter does not feel sorry for him right now. I'm going to tell oh, you really? that I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Like, oh, get him. Kill, kill. <laughs> Just, you got him down now. Yeah, don't let him back up. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just let's, people let's, are amazing. Speaking, but let's let's get back onto yeah, our on the topic. speaking thing in particular. Uh, writing we discussed last week. Uh, I learned how to write thanks to a senior uh, senior English teacher my last year of high school, which coincidentally was about my last year of formal education. I went to college for. And was elected president of my freshman class for roughly three weeks. I was not sworn in as president of the freshman class because I dropped out by the time of inauguration rolled around, which made me believe they should always have the inauguration of elected class officers much closer to the election. Like the next day would be a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> you could have had that little plaque. Yes. Yeah. So, I wonder where it is. They must have made it for somebody or given to somebody. But uh, the the thing I want to get back to was doing stuff. The way to learn how to speak, uh, to write, is to learn, read the things we talked about last week, read, get, watch the way people shape sentences and so on. I've learned a whole lot about that. I talked about the National Enquirer. I found Ms. Griffin rolled in her grave, but uh, I found that sometimes the most effective writing breaks the rules, the, the uh, strict rules of writing. Uh, never end a preposition, a sentence with a preposition. Churchill, when he heard that, said, that's the type of English up with which I will not put. I, I've always had a fondness in my heart for Churchill. <laughs> he was really so. Uh, Sir Winston said, Lady Astor, if I were your ass, after he said something smartly, smart, elecky to her, uh, if I were your wife, I would put poison in your coffee. To which Churchill replied, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> and he didn't even have to take a breath. He no. Well, it, what he did out. was he memorized comebacks and insults in advance he later said that. in an interview or something that that famous line to lady Astor, if i were your husband i'd drink it he said i'd had that in reserve for 20 years before i had the opportunity to spring it on somebody <laughs> so, oh, darn. i'm gonna have he, to find that book yeah i have several uh you, you haven't crossed those lines yet but when you do denise i'm cocked and ready and I will tell on you. <laughs> so bring it. <laughs> so that the reading, 
the reading writing thing we covered pretty well last week. Let's do speaking real quick. The way you learn how to speak is by speaking. I'm always amused by books on, I'll probably write one someday, and I have ghostwritten some in the past, you know, it's, it's, but it's like writing, writing a book about how to ride a bicycle. The way you learn how to ride a bicycle is you get on it, you go two or three feet, you fall down. And uh, if you have good parents, there's one on either end of the trip. One pushes you and one catches you. And you then one day, the brain, usually an hour or two after the lesson starts, kicks in and you have balance. So you learn how to ride a bicycle by riding a bicycle. You learn how to speak by observing other people who are speaking, but you'll never be them in many cases. And you don't God. want to be. I yeah, think so exactly. many people make that mistake. Oh, I want to sound like Seth Godin, or I want to sound like Denise Griffiths, or I want yeah. to sound like Ben Gay Third. No, you don't. Yeah, No, you don't. Really it, won't, don't. it won't fish. It might as well be you. Everybody else is already taken mm -hmm. somewhere. But speak. Go to Toastmasters. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Toastmasters, but they serve a real purpose. Uh, it's a great state. It's kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade of speaking. It's non-threatening. You're there with other people who are new to the game or they wouldn't be there. Many of them aren't there to become speakers or salespeople. They're to get over, they're there to get over shyness or whatever. Join local organizations and look for an opportunity to get up in front of the room. Every organization, service club, et cetera, has some poor dope who missed a meeting. And while he was gone, they nominated him as chairman of the event. There, his job is to acquire speakers. And he doesn't know any speakers. Or he only knows the one speaker who dominates the local market. And everybody's tired of hearing from him or her. So he's desperately looking for someone to fill that slot next Tuesday and the Tuesday after that or right. the once a month person. Find out who the organization is, ask who the program chairman is, call him or her up and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I, I represent, the, and they'll probably in the beginning not hire you because of who you are, but for what you have to offer. Uh, I can teach people the ins and outs of buying a car without getting screwed over. I'm a car salesman, and uh, that would be, I just made that up as we were right. conversing, but that's when I go here, uh, because there's so much, the image of that industry is so bad, Oh yeah. and, and that yes. having somebody come in and say, take you behind the scenes would be something they'd love to have, and then... Uh, become the guy who's known, and I say guy out of habit, the guy or the lady who becomes known for if there's a thing going on, you will see him or her at the front with a microphone. That makes you well known, better known to everyone in your area over time. And you become the go-to guy for automobiles, real estate, whatever. So it has a huge benefit in, lot, in lots of areas of your life. And because they're afraid uh, to get up in front of a room with a microphone, it gives you status that you frankly don't even deserve. But it does, because if it's the number one psychological fear and you've overcome it, that makes you a super person. I've, yeah, uh, it does. And in podcasting as well, people say, oh, you know, podcasting is public speaking. No question about yeah. it. Yep. You have to be comfortable in your own skin, which is something I think we should talk about another time. But, you know, you you have to be true to yourself. You can't make up a persona as you go. OK, this is my sales personality. You, you've you already just shot yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. Be you, Absolutely. don't show up. And then step it up. Uh, Dale Carnegie is a wonderful organization. And they've systematized their thing so much that just about you could throw a dart at a Dale Carnegie map of the nation and you hit on somebody who could be of tremendous help to you because he or she is doing exactly what the Carnegie organization wants them to do. They check up on their instructors and if they're off message, they're no longer instructors. 
So oh. Toastmasters can vary. A, you're starting out with the blind, leading the blind, but it's a good place to start. And it varies from, you know, is there a person in your organization who's a natural leader and uh, wants to help other people? That's sort of hit and miss. At Dale Carnegie, I promise you, whoever's at the front of the room knows what they're doing, if only because they learned it from a proven system. To the point, I sent two of our sons, I think, yeah, two of our sons to Dale Carnegie, and people said to me, why don't you, you teach them, they're teaching what you teach, and I said, because I'm the father, Jesus said it was very difficult to be a prophet in your own hometown, they won't listen to me, uh, and I don't want to go through the battle and lose a friendship with a son when I don't care whether they like the Dale Carnegie guy or not. So although it was 20 miles away, uh, two of them went to Dale Carnegie and learned uh, there and very, very well. If I announce one, I do one a year, roughly public speaking course. Mine is really exciting because everybody, everybody, I've never had a failure, never had anybody who didn't, wasn't glad they came because I've got a secret little method for teaching that gets everyone speaking in public within two hours of class starting, doing something they never thought they would do. And when you uh, and David begin opening up your podcast thing, I would suggest that in addition to Zoom and so on, that uh, you guys make a, an opportunity to come here to whatever city for two or three days and learn how to be a podcaster, a podcast booker, a podcast guest, and teach them the advantages of that. Because it's what I've talked about this. Uh, it always makes me smile. Zig, in the early days, Zig Ziglar said to me, just get up and talk, man. Get up in front of people, talk, you know, and so on. Well, I had a script to rely on in the beginning. But then after a while, people want you to talk about other things. So I was back in the scared to death bucket pretty quick. And Zig said, get up, get up and talk. Well, I started doing exactly what I just talked about. I didn't go to Toastmasters, but I spoke to local organizations, service clubs, would give a free sales presentation to uh, dealerships, real estate brokerages, and so on an opportunity to sell my real program, but I would go in and do it for free to the point Zig used to tell people Ben Gay would work a traffic accident. And I and I used to kid him back and say, well, you created the monster. You said wherever two or more people are gathered together, practice, speak to them. Exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. and there's, there's no shortcut. Uh, you, you've got to get up and do it. And uh, and with that, you will get better and better and better. Hopefully, you have somebody who's your good friend who will tell you the truth after a presentation. But you'll tell yourself the truth after you embarrass yourself enough. Especially if it was recorded and you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is why record. I never go back and listen to my own podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I have you, to tell you. Go ahead. You'd be pleasantly surprised. Really? Yeah, because you're, you're very good and you have a voice from heaven. You should be in the movies or radio or something. Uh, oh, thank you. Your five bucks is in the mail. <laughs> five? <laughs> well, yeah. You, you yeah. said 10 when you, before we went on. But I lied. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you, when I, I went back to school later in life and, you know, earned my computer science degree that nobody cares about, but it explains why I identify as a nerd in stilettos. And one of the classes we had to take it, well, there was two classes, algebra, which I promptly almost flunked, you know, almost ruined my grade point average. And then English, I was like, why? You know, I'm it's a computer science degree. They wouldn't let me out. And, you know, at some point, I'm always the quiet one in the back of the room because I'm not paying attention. I'm off in my own world. I'm studying. I'm reading. I'm writing. And it's if it's something that I already know about, I'm really not paying any attention. So all of a sudden, I get this. Okay, Denise, come on up. I said, what? <laughs> come on up. <laughs> yeah. <here."> huh? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I had to raise my head from my book. I was not happy. And it turns out that they were doing public speaking. So I had to get up in front of this room of my peers. I was the only female in the class, as you can imagine. And they didn't like having a girl in the class. They just didn't. They, you know, they didn't think that women should be in the, those, you know, computer sciences. It's changed a bit because this is 20 years ago. But back in the day, there was a good bit of bias against it. Sure. And I didn't care, you know, me being me, I just didn't care. You do what you want to do. Just don't trip me. We'll get along just fine. <laughs> so, so I got up there and I looked at them and I remembered this from a book or something. I It came from nowhere. So just picture them naked. So mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a ball. <laughs> I really <laughs> did. No, no, just, pun intended. no pun intended. No, no pun intended. And right when I said that, I went, okay, that was not right. But I just opened up my mouth and I said what I wanted to say. It actually made sense. I didn't have a script. I picked a starting point in my head and off I went and I won whatever that little contest was. And they all looked stunned like, oh, she can speak. <gasps> she speaks well. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to piss her off. <laughs> so there was that. But, you know, and after that, and I remembered that when I said, it's time for me to do a podcast. Well, I've done this before. Yeah. So off I went. You know, I had done it successfully. I got thrown into the end of the pond, came out of it just fine. And I, you know, I learned from that. You, you just triggered a memory that's only two or three days old. Gigi is doing her annual cleaning. She's in charge of the bookkeeping uh, people. I mean, other people actually do it, but she gets it set up and, you know, so on. And she accumulates more paper than we need. So the other day she started on her yearly or every four or five years cleansing of papers we no longer need. And she's sitting cross-legged in the floor over in her office area going through stuff and it's not going very rapidly because Gigi likes to read what she you know especially it was a personal note to an old school friend all sorts of things were in there but the cutest one was you were talking about you weren't paying attention she wrote her mom and dad were out of town for some reason dear mom and dad I have some free time I'm in history class (laughs) <laughs> and it's a two or three page long letter and she read it to me and she has tears in her eyes i said the key part of that letter was in the first sentence honey i have some free time i'm in history class <laughs> do you remember back was there a person by any chance standing at the front of the room with a book in their hand and she said well, yeah probably so and i said which may explain why i have to explain to you so many things about history you don't seem to know she said but my mom and dad love me there you go (laughs) but i have free time i'm in history class see i had free time (laughs) in english and algebra apparently (laughs) history i loved i loved history the rest of it me (laughs) i I loved history and english and the rest of it was sort of a waste of time for me and uh, but I can I I could have written Gone with the Wind in, in algebra uh, since oh. I I wasn't paying any attention to what they were talking about and was, was perfectly neither. happy to suck up an F. Well, I almost did, and I remember the instructor saying, "Denise, you're one of the smartest people in this room." That landed flatly, as you can imagine, <laughs> and yeah, with a bunch of scientific type guys. And he said, I don't understand why you don't get this night. And I got bad. I stood up. I jammed my hands on my hips. I said, because it's a bunch of made up crap. Somebody couldn't get laid. He lived in a cave. He burned candles and he probably drank. They said, don't say it. Don't say it. I said, okay, fine. But it's garbage. (laughs) And I meant it too. Yeah. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Or Uh, Reagan would say. Somebody addressed him some con- when he was running for governor one of the times. You're a no good liar, blah, blah, blah. And when they finished with perfect timing, he said, okay. And he picked up his pen, looked down his pad. He said, I'll put you down as doubtful. <laughs> 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 well, my clock, you're in charge of the yeah, clock, says we're, we're about out of time. We are just about. Um, tell people what we want to talk about. I think we covered... 
I think we did a stellar job of talking about sales and how we communicate. So what do you want to talk about next week? Page 93, study Robin Hood. That's 93 in the closers part two. Part two, right. Pharaoh's secret, not that one. Study Robin. I haven't looked at that one in a while. All right. I've got it written down. And we'll be on that next week. And listen, everybody who is listening to us, and we're glad that you're here, do ask us questions. I mean, they may send us off on a tangent, but they'll get they'll get answered at some point. But we do want to help you. So just get in touch with me, get in touch with Ben. You can't honestly, you can't throw a stick on the internet without locating us. And Ben, where can people find the closers? They can find the closers at the best place special pricing and free shipping, I still sign them and date them. They're brought to me by the other company, is stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com, uh, pardon me, after com, forward slash Ronzoni Books. That's all one word, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S. And uh, order by two in the afternoon Pacific time. They'll go out to you that day. And uh, as I said, signed, dated, lifetime, unconditional, money back guarantee, and the best pricing that you can find anywhere other than buying a used copy, which I don't do since COVID of anything. I don't even know where you'd find a used copy. Well, listen, everybody, you've got Ben's information. If you want to talk with me about anything, well, within reason, <clears throat> you want to talk about it. <laughs> don't ask me for phone sex. Just don't. <laughs> I get mean, but you can call me at 1-888-719-6711. We can do a quick talk about, you know, conversation about web development, whether you need social media marketing or whatever you want to know about podcasting. Again, it's 888-TOLL-FREE-719-719. 6711. Ben, thank you. You always make my day, and ah, I will see you next week. All right. Denise, have a wonderful day. You too. Tell Gigi hi. <laughs>